From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is Politically Georgia. I'm Bill Nygut. It's going to be a long day at the state capitol. It's crossover day, the deadline for a bill to pass one house to be considered by the other this session. Politically Georgia co-hosts Patricia Murphy and Greg Bluestein are in place at the capitol and will join us live. And we'll also be joined by AJC reporter Maya Prabhu. I'm Greg Bluestein. We'll talk with Democratic Senator Jason Estevez, one of the state's most prominent Latino officials, about the rush of immigration-related measures after the killing of Lake and Riley. And we'll hear from Republican Senator Steve Gooch, the Senate Majority Leader, about the bills he still is looking to pass out of the Senate today. Plus, President Biden and former President Trump are both headed to the border today. The death of Lake and Riley is almost certain to come up at some point during the day. We invite you to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode of Politically Georgia. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. It's crossover day at the state capitol, which is technically the deadline for a bill to go from one chamber to the other and still get passed during the session Although the people who know the Capitol well know that when you really want to get a bill through, (laughs) there's always a way to make it happen before day 40 comes to an end. I'm really happy that my uh, co-hosts, Patricia Murphy and Greg Bluestein, are down in position at the Capitol to watch the day unfold. And Maya Prabhu, AJC legislative reporter, is also there. Um, We're going to talk to first the Senate Majority Leader, Steve Gooch, a Republican, and then later in the show, Democrat Jason Estevez, also in the Senate. Um, But before we get to that, uh, Greg Patricia, um, I don't even know how to lay out the hundred of bills that are going to be flying through the Capitol today, but there are particularly some significant ones you're going to be looking at. Patricia, Give us a sense of what you're thinking about, and then, Greg, I'd love you to do the same thing. Uh, Yeah, so there are um, loads and loads of bills that we're following. The more than 100 could be, um, more than 100 are on the House and Senate Mm -hmm. calendars, and others could be brought up as well. Um, One, of course, that we're following that's of interest to our readers always is the film tax credit. Uh, There has been a lengthy effort to um, study those film tax credits. Uh, see which ones are working, which ones are too much, and make some changes. So that's going to be on the House side today. Um, also, there, uh, I would say the, the big focus and the emotion right now is on the subject of immigration and undocumented immigrants. And there will be a bill on the House side, I believe, and Maya can confirm this for us, uh, looking at how law enforcement interact with undocumented immigrants and what are the responsibilities and now the requirements for local law enforcement if they encounter undocumented immigrants as um, well. So those in, are the two big ones. I apologize. Yeah, we're going to get into the immigration measure in a lot more depth in just a couple of minutes, but but that obviously is one of the big ones. Um, Greg, some of the things uh, you're looking at, lots of education bills, bills about libraries and books as well today. 
Exactly. And Bill, I think you set it up perfectly. It's a key internal deadline, but it's not the end all be all <laughs> deadline because as Senator Steve Gooch is about to tell us, if if the leadership wants something done after this deadline, they can figure out a way to do it. <laughs> Maya, what's uh, what's on your agenda for today? What are you especially interested in? You know, uh, They've taken care of all of the big legislation that I've personally been following. So I kind of just get to sit back and enjoy the day and enjoy debate on um, some of these bills, especially the the education ones that are going to be up in the Senate. So I, I kind of lucked out this year. Wow. All right. Well, um, I'm sure Greg and Patricia can find plenty for you to help them out with. But let's get right to um, introducing uh, the majority leader in the state Senate. Steve Gooch, um, who represents uh, District 51, which is basically centered up in Dahlonega. Senator Gooch, this will be a very, very long day for you and lots of maneuvering, I would assume, throughout the day and evening. Uh, You're correct. Good morning to all of you. It's great to be here on Crossover Day. It's going to be a busy day, as you've already pointed out. And it's one of the probably the most... um, uh, high expected days of the session. Of course, Sonny Dye being the most critical, but today is the day that every member of the General Assembly has worked hard for the first two months of our session to get their priorities out of committee onto the floor of the House or the Senate in order to keep those bills alive. And then they cross over, of course, after today. And then the process starts all over. You go to the other chamber and you go through their committee process. So it's a lot of work to get a bill uh, literally passed and to the governor's desk. Some of our members are workhorses. I mean, there are members here that have 10 or 15 or maybe even 20 bills this session. And so they have been working day and night to get some of these priorities for the caucus and for their districts across the finish line here at Crossover Day. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be uh, stressful at times, and I know you guys are going to be watching the entire day. Greg, why don't you start us off on issues you're interested in and talking to Senator Yeah, well, Gucci Leader Gooch, let's start with immigration, because you're the top, you're one of the top Republicans in the Senate, and just a few weeks ago, it didn't seem like immigration was getting traction. In fact, Patricia and I interviewed Governor Kemp uh, you know, earlier this month and asked him if he sees any state-level immigration measures passing this year, and he said no. Obviously, Lake and Riley's killing has changed everything uh, now there are efforts to give more power to police officers local police officers to jail people suspected with being in the country illegally um, i know that bill's pass uh, is uh, moving through the house quickly and it likely could reach the senate in the next couple of days but what about critics who say that something a policy like that overburdens local authorities well you know i'm glad you brought up the uh, the issue because it's just been two weeks now that we had the resolution on the senate floor that condemn President Biden for his inactivity of doing anything about this issue. We also encourage and criticize Congress, both chambers, both both parties. We didn't just go after the Democrats in that resolution, Greg. We want a solution to the problem. We truly do. People in Georgia want the border to be secure and protected because everybody that slips into this country illegally some are in some are doing it to get away from bad situations where they're coming from, but others are coming here for bad things or bringing drugs and they're coming in here and they're sex trafficking our citizens. They're stealing, they're committing crimes. Some are misdemeanor crimes, some are felony. And then this past week, 
for God's sake, we lost the life of a beautiful young uh, lady over at UGA, and that was uncalled for. And we wanted to get the U.S. government through the White House and Congress to finally do something about the border issue. They've been sitting on this stuff for years now. When Donald Trump left office, we were making steady progress. The problem wasn't solved completely, but we were making steady progress. Joe Biden in 2021 basically did an about face on everything that had been done leading up to that year on the closing and the securing of the borders. Now we're seeing millions and millions of illegals coming into the U.S. We don't know who they are. We don't know how many there are exactly. We're seeing numbers from the federal government, of course, and so we take those numbers and we report them just like you guys do in the press. We don't know who they are. Our local sheriffs are telling us as of this week, if they uh, arrest of undocumented person in their communities, they call the federal government. The federal government tells them to release them. They do not come and pick them up. They do not know who these people are. A lot of them are using alias names. And so we have a real problem in this country. It's a crisis. And I think both parties need to come together and resolve it. But Senator, what about those local law enforcement agents who say they shouldn't be acting as local immigration uh, agents? That it should be a federal issue. The, sher- the sheriff's departments have a big job to do. First job is to protect their citizens of their counties. They're sworn under oath. And that's what I like about a sheriff versus a police chief. A police chief is an employee and a bureaucrat of the city or county government that they work for. A sheriff is a sworn constitutional officer who is sworn to uphold the constitution of the state of Georgia and the U.S. Constitution. So I believe they do have a role in this and they're going to have to step up because of the failures of the federal government not doing their job. Senator, let's move on to some of these education measures that y'all are uh, set to be considering in the Senate. Uh, changes to how schools are teaching sex education, the parents' involvement in that, and especially a pretty significant change to uh, libraries, public libraries, and how they're inter- interacting with the um, American Library Association. Why is that on y'all's radar at all? I think it's becoming too toxic. Uh, Patricia, if you look at the local schools around the state of Georgia, we're seeing more and more parents who are coming out for the first time. And some of them have been saying this for years, but some, a lot of the people now are seeing it firsthand because their kids are being exposed to things that they feel the school system should not be involved in. And teaching sex education at such an early age, they don't understand the reason for it. I think that's a role of the parent from K through fifth grade at least. And so I think we're trying to listen more to our constituents. We're seeing materials in libraries that is inappropriate for public school systems. I think that's something that the parent needs to expose her child to if they want them to read those materials. And so we're engaging the local school districts as well, but we're letting the parents have more input and more transparency in what's going on at the local level. And I think that's important. I can't tell you why anybody, regardless of political party, would be opposed to an idea like that. Okay. On the American Library Association, what's the specific concern with that group? The legislation says that libraries would not get um, state funding if they are continuing to be affiliated with that group. I think it's because the leadership of that organization has gone too far radical into areas that they should not be involved in. And they're not listening to the, the local school systems. They're not listening to the parents and to the taxpayers of Georgia. Maya, you want to jump in? Um, you know, I guess 
what are you seeing as uh, the likelihood? I'm sure the, the bill will come out of the the Senate um, today. Are you hearing that the House is interested in, in taking up these library or sex education measures? You know, I can't speak for the for the House and I sure won't try. Uh, but I believe the, the people that represent the 51st district, including myself as a senator, I have four or five state representatives. They're listening to the same constituents that I'm listening to. And I imagine that's pretty consistent throughout the state. And so we work for the same people. The, the governor represents the same people that we represent. And so if you're back home and you're doing your work as a senator or as a representative, you're hearing the same message over and over and over again. And it's an outcry. People want those public schools to teach their kids a, the, a good education, but they do not want to get a, over into areas that they believe that should be the role of the parent. Maya. So just as a follow-up, you know, uh, Things have changed a lot since I was a kid and in elementary school and learning sex, learned sex education up in Virginia in public school. And I guess, how do you reconcile the fact that girls are getting starting their menstrual cycles much younger? You know, my friend's child started her menstrual cycle at eight. Um, and so technically she is at an age where she could become pregnant, but not be able to learn about what that looks like until she's 11 or 12. Sure. So I'm obviously not a medical professional. I, uh, I respect the doctors in the, in the Senate, in the House, and the ones that we have working with us feel very comfortable with the position that we have on this legislation. We believe, again, that it's the role of the parent to decide when their child should be subjected to some of these sex education courses at such an early age. And so I'll just leave it at that. But I believe that the local control should include the parent as well as the, the bureaucrats in that community school system. But Patricia, go ahead. Oh, uh, a quick question. And to take a step back a little bit from the specifics of these bills, we had uh, Representative Al on the show recently, and she talked about the difference between the State House and the State Senate. Um, she said she's been in both chambers. She said she felt like the State House has been doing recently more, I think she used the term more workaday proposals, tax cuts, um, uh, tax credits, uh, business-focused things, and the state senate was uh, getting more involved in bringing the more social issues and maybe more controversial issues up uh, as the first chamber. Is that a is that your perspective? And and how do you describe the difference for our audience between the different characters of the two chambers? Sure. I think the, for the 14 years that I've been in the Senate, I've seen uh, quite a bit of contrast uh, with the House and the Senate. We've always sort of claimed, you know, and took the credit for being the more conservative chamber in the in the General Assembly. And the Senate's always been referred to as the upper chamber. Excuse me. But if you look at the Constitution, you know that all revenue bills have to start in the House. And so that's why a lot of these issues come up first in the House. Is because revenue bills have to originate over in the House chamber along with the budget, tax credits, and so forth. So they spend a lot of their time working with the Ways and Means Committee on those tax credits and those bills before they come over to the Senate. So therefore, we work the first half of our session on some of these other issues that you're talking about, transportation investments and you know infrastructure for cities and schools as well. But we don't deal with the revenue bills until 
after crossover. And so next week we will read in all the bills that have been passed today from the House and a good many of them will go straight to the Finance Committee and we'll start perfecting their bills. And so we'll see a lot of tax credit bills that came out of the House. We'll make changes to them. And of course, it goes back over for an agree or disagree. And it could end up in a conference committee before session's over. Senator, I know Greg wants to jump in, but I want to kind of play cleanup on a couple of the things we've talked about, if I may, please. Let's go back to immigration uh, for a moment. And the fact that legislation would penalize cities that do not participate in the federal program in which uh, local sheriffs are expected to turn over to the federal agencies, ICE, um, uh, undocumented immigrants who've been arrested in a community and are uh, essentially set for deportation. Um, the, the bill would now call for penalties in those areas. And, of course, we, we heard yesterday the very contentious news conference um, with, with um, the mayor of Athens, uh, Clark County, who was shouted down by people who said he had blood on his hands because Athens does not participate in that program. But you just said a very interesting thing in answer to Greg's question. You said, essentially, I think I heard you say, that the feds right now don't have the capacity for going into a local community and picking up undocumented immigrants. Um, and if that's the case, that leads to the question of why Republicans in the U.S. House would have turned down a measure that would have given um, the uh, immigration authorities more money to hire more agents who could pursue exactly the kind of thing you're talking about. Well, I don't think I, I don't think I said they do not have the capacity, but what I meant to say, and, and I'll clean that up, is they're either being instructed not to enforce the laws that are already in the books or they're not being funded to the level where they need to be able to do their jobs. And so we'd love to see the president step up and address that issue specifically about the border crisis and not try to co-mingle the issue with uh, Ukraine and the Russia issues or the Israeli and Palestine issues. Let's focus on one issue in a single piece of legislation. Let's fund the wall. Let's fund the enforcement of whatever it's going to take to secure, secure our nation and to protect our citizens. If you have cities in Georgia who are basically sanctuary cities, why should we continue to incentivize those cities to have to give that bad behavior by giving them more state and federal funds. We should incentivize them to do their jobs. And that's what we do a lot of times. And if they don't perform to those measures and if they don't follow state and federal laws, there has to be consequences, Bill. And so some of the consequences are now showing up in some of these bills that you're referring to that are coming over from the House. And I think the, the Senate will support and engage in that conversation very quickly next week. And we will move that, that legislation forward once we've perfected it in our judiciary committees as well. We're here with State Senate Majority Leader Steve Gooch, who's one of the top Republicans in the chamber. I want to switch topics a little bit here to religious liberty and RIFRA measures. We've been talking about this, Senator, for more than a decade. Obviously, uh, we all remember when Governor Deal vetoed religious liberty measures back in 2016. Um, a quick rundown. Supporters say it gives legal protections for religious rights. Opponents think it thinly veiled discrimination. Senate's going to likely pass a, a version of, of this legislation later today. Why is this the year you think it could get to Governor Kemp's desk? 
you know, everybody says, when's the best time to pass a gun bill? When's the best time to pass a religious freedom bill? It, to me, it's an important issue, Greg, because we hear from our constituents back home. All we're asking for in this piece of legislation is to literally copy almost word for word what President Bill Clinton signed into law back in the 90s. It's all we're doing. Other states have had it on the books for many, many years. We've passed it in the past. And so I think this is a year because I think this is what's important to the citizens of Georgia, along with the other hundreds of bills that we've talked about already today. We have 54 bills and a couple of resolutions on, this, on the calendar for the Senate. And we're, we hope to pass each and every one of them that are important to the citizens of Georgia. Religious freedom is important to people in this state, and we in, intend to support it today. Senator Jeff Graham, who you know well, is a very powerful uh, lobbyist for Georgia Equality down at the Capitol, was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he said that he thought a religious liberty measure had some real value. He didn't take issue with that. But what he pointed out is that, unfortunately, the state doesn't have a a civil rights law that would also protect um, certain communities, certainly the LGBTQ community, if a, take, you know, an example from another state, if a baker said, I don't want to, my religious principles prevent me from doing a wedding cake for uh, two men who plan to get married. Does Jeff have a point that there needs to be an accompanying civil rights uh, law in the state to protect against minorities being discriminated against? I don't think you'll see any difference in this state legislation than what you already have in federal law, Bill. And so I haven't seen any uh, examples of what you're talking about that have been tried in the in the courts on the federal laws that have been on the books for over 20 or 30 years. And so we're, we're I think, coming together today with a balanced approach that will balance those civil rights against the people's rights to exercise their religious beliefs. And so I believe this is a very carefully, narrowly uh, drafted piece of legislation that exactly follows what President Clinton signed into law. And so we feel very confident that it does what we intend for it to do. And we're not intending to allow for discrimination in any way, anywhere, anytime in our state. Senator, one issue that we're hearing about from readers quite a bit recently is the question of in vitro fertilization and whether the decision in the Alabama Supreme Court um, would have any resonance here in the state of Georgia. Um, There has been a bill introduced by Elena Parent to protect IVF, to just codify that in law that uh, couples and people could pursue IVF without any fear of prosecution. Do you have any um, expectation that something like that would come up? Or do you feel like the state law currently protects IVF? We believe the state law currently protects IVF. I think that issue that came up in Alabama was strictly for an Alabama law, and it has no bearing whatsoever in our state. And I know Elena Parent had a press conference this week, and she mentioned that she felt like her bill had no chance of passage. And that's quite frankly, because she introduced it today. The the bill that she is referring to is being first read into the Senate chamber on crossover day. Now, in order for a bill to get 
through the committee process and be properly vetted and get eligible to come to the floor takes as much as five to seven days down here. And so it's impossible for her to be able to get a bill first read on crossover day and have it passed in the Senate the same day. That's just impossible to do. I don't even think the House has any way of doing a measure that quickly. The Senate has a lot of structured rules that she voted for on the first day of session this year, and she fully is aware that she should have introduced that bill a week and a half ago. Then we could have had that discussion. And we probably Probably would have had a lot of bipartisan support for it as well. Senator, I know you, you've got a very busy day uh, ahead of you, so we want to let you go in, in just a moment. But my, I know you wanted to ask a final question here, I think. Well, I was just going to say, you know, going back to what we said at the beginning of this interview, if an issue is important enough, people find ways to get it done. And so I guess, is it fair to say that it's not a priority for Republicans to clearly define what the law is around in vitro fertilization? Uh, no, I think the the Senate Republicans are very concerned about the the issue that occurred in Alabama this week, and we will consider any and all measures that we have and any opportunities that we have in the coming days ahead to address it if it needs to be addressed. But again, that that ruling impacted the state of Alabama only. We still have our, our litigation going forward on the abortion bill in Georgia. And so we stand by the, the fact that we wanna wait and have the, the ruling from the courts before we make any changes to our bill in the future. But uh, you know, if someone wants to make amendments to other bills in the Senate or the House, they are free to do so. And everybody will have a, a fair hearing on their amendments and then it'll be vetted. And then of course there'll be a vote on that committee on those amendments. And so I think anyone that wants to can bring those amendments forward and they can do that as early as next Monday when the next committee meets. Senator, I mean, uh, Greg, one, one last quick question. No, I, I was going to make the same point Maya did, but are, are there any other measures that you think could take surprise traction in the last couple of days? Because as we said earlier, things come up. Immigration was not necessarily on the forefront. Now it is. What other surprises are you looking for in the last couple of days of the weeks of the session? I don't know if we'll have any more surprises today. There may be some surprise amendments that come from both our Republicans and our Democrats. There's a lot of issues there. I think you should sort of watch today. One is an impact fee bill for schools. It'll be the first time in Georgia that we would allow impact fees to be collected for a school system. Uh, Greg Dolezal has a constitutional amendment and enabling legislation that'll be on the floor today. It requires 38 votes for the constitutional amendment, of course, but that would allow uh, fast growing high populated areas like Forsyth County to be able to collect those impact fees and help pay for the construction of the schools and not put that burden on the homeowners that are already there. That's one issue. There's doxing bills. Uh, there's a bill dealing with China owning farmland in Georgia that Senator Anna Batarde has on the floor today. And of course, there's a whole list of human trafficking bills that we continue to push. Those are bipartisan bills as well. And so I think you're going to see a lot of bipartisan efforts today on some good legislation that deals with families and children. And I think you'll see some separation there when it comes to things like religious freedom and even a simple license plate bill that I'm carrying that's called America 
first. It's, it's going to be a new license plate that'll be sold next year. And it has an image of the American flag on it. And at the bottom, it reads America first. We saw Democrats op opposing that in our public safety committee. So we're anxious to see if they're going to support the American flag today on the Senate floor. Oh, I see another New Hampshire live free or die license plate issue coming up with that one, Senator Gooch. <laughs> Those are fun. There's about 400 license plates in Georgia, and we're like, enough is enough. Uh, we brought this one forward because of our love for our country and our patriotism for our nation. And so I hope that the Democrats will join us today and vote for us on that bill. Senator Gooch, you have such a busy day ahead of you, and you've been very generous in giving us so much of your time today. Good luck. Hope you get through it and still feel strong and healthy by the end of the day. Thanks for joining us. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Welcome back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Bill Nygut, along with Patricia Murphy and Greg Bluestein and Maya Prabhu from the Capitol. We have a great offer for Politically Georgia listeners. If you subscribe right now, you can get digital access to the AJC for $1.99 a week for life. Subscribe now by going to AJC.com start. That's AJC.com start. A buck 99 a week for life. A great deal for a greater Atlanta. This is for new subscribers only. It's a big day down at the state capitol, crossover day, and um, Patricia Murphy and Greg Bluestein, co-hosts of the show, are already down there in place, and Maya Prabhu will be down there watching all of the activity as it um, moves forward. Um, we're going to turn now to uh, State Senator Jason Estevez, who is a Democratic senator, um, representing a district in Atlanta. Senator, thank you so much for being with us. I'm, what we've already been saying is such a terribly busy day. Thanks for giving us some of your time. A busy day indeed, but I appreciate y'all having me. Good morning. Patricia, let me give you a chance to start the conversation with Senator Estevez. Yeah, Senator Estevez, tell us what you're watching for today. You've got a, you'll have a huge list of bills to be considered. What's jumping out at you? Yeah, what's uh, jumping out at me is uh, echoing what the majority leader uh, said earlier, which is there. there's a good slate of bipartisan bills that are on the agenda in the Senate, and I'm hoping to spend a lot of time uh, passing those bills out, uh, healthcare-related bills, bills to protect veterans, bills to, like the bill I, I introduced to uh, help increase uh, savings for, for college and, and other education needs. Uh, so there are a lot of opportunities there. Of course, it's crossover day, so there'll be some uh, divisive bills like the RIFRA uh, bill that's going to be considered a little bit later this afternoon. Uh, there's a bill to ban the American Library Association, I think the only accrediting agency in, in, in the country for libraries. Uh, that's a little bit of a silly conversation that we have to be having in 2024. And uh, as the majority leader mentioned, uh, the America First li license plate uh, something that I'm sure, uh, it, it has, has altruistic, uh, intent, but also happens to be the quote, uh, the, the motto for, 
the former president of the United States campaign. Uh, I want to bring you in, Greg, but let's be clear with our listeners. We've talked now a couple of times about RIFRA, which stands for the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which is um, the federal law that protects religious uh, rights. I just want to make sure we uh, make sure our listeners know what we're talking about. Greg? In shorthand, we always call it the Religious Liberty Bill or some variation of that. Right. Uh, Senator Estevez, I want to um, shift topics a little bit to something that is, I know, of course, near and dear to you, and you've already been a very prominent spokesperson in a sense, right, uh, uh, for issues about immigration. You're one of the most prominent Latino member elected officials in Georgia and, of course, in the Georgia Senate. And now there are new immigration-related measures. We just heard Senate Majority Leader Steve Gooch back a, a new efforts to require sheriffs cooperate and coordinate with federal immigration authorities. Something else this bill in the House does is it essentially encourages local law enforcement officials to detain people who are suspected of being illegal immigrants or being here in the country illegally and report them, uh, act as, uh, uh, as almost federal agents. And this is something that Senator Gooch just said, and I'm quoting him here, they have to step up because of the failures of the federal government to do their job. How do you see this bill that many law enforcement feel, uh, officials feel like overburdens them because it requires them to take on even more duties? What is your what is your stance on these measures moving through the Georgia legislature? Well, look, I, I think that um, what happened last week at, at UGA's campus is, is a tragedy, right? And, and I think we all have to acknowledge that. Uh, we also have to um, understand that we certainly have public safety issues all across the state. And we need to make sure that we're doing all that we can uh, to prevent and to reduce crimes of opportunity like we saw in, in Lake and Riley's case. Um, that should be separate. And that response should be separate from the political uh, firestorm that we've seen uh, the Republicans play into. And I think on one side, you saw very measured responses from UGA as far as investing over $7 million in, in public safety up, uh, upgrades. And you saw Athens Clark also uh, make some changes. And then what we're seeing on the other side uh, by, by legislative Republicans is this effort to politicize this issue around immigrant community. And I think that's unfortunate uh, but what we have to do is, is really stay focused on on the public safety side of this. These immigration related bills are a distraction from what's really happening in Washington, which is the fact that you have the former president telling his his party that there should be no deal on immigration, no movement on immigration, because it would mean another win for the Biden administration. We all have to acknowledge there is a crisis at the border. That crisis has existed for decades. Solutions have been brought forth for decades and nothing has happened. Why? Because it's a political football that, that certain politicians like to exploit. Maya? I think you're uh, muted, Maya. Hi, sorry. I was clicking away because I was looking at today's calendar, rules calendar. I see you have a couple of bills on there. One that I think was vetoed by, similar to one that was vetoed by the governor last year. Can you just talk a little bit, you know, as a Democrat, freshman lawmaker, getting bills to the floor is a big deal. It is, and I appreciate that. I, I was fortunate last year in my first session to pass a bill through both chambers and get that to the governor. Unfortunately, it was caught up in that uh, 
flurry of vetoes that the governor had last year, uh, where he found a couple hundred million of do dollars to, to cut out of what the legislature had passed. My bill was one of them. It expands health savings accounts for uh, state workers and teachers, allows those um, those employees to save for their health care on a pre-tax basis. And the reason that matters is because it allows state employees to save money on their taxes, but it also saves the state uh, from paying uh, taxes on, on, on that money as well. So it actually saves money for the state and uh, state employees. So it's a really good bill. It's, it passed nearly unanimously across both chambers, and we're bringing that back. And I also have another bill that uh, doubles the amount that a family can save in five, 529 plans, which is a mainly a college savings plan, but can be used to pay for other, other things, uh, uh, housing while kids are in college, but also uh, school and tutoring uh, for kids in K-12 K education. Senator, we asked Senator Gooch earlier about the religious liberty RIFRA measures. Um, you weren't around back in 2016 when Governor Deal uh, vetoed that legislation, but you're going to be here today for this debate, which will probably go for a very long time. And it is reopening, a, a reviving a very contentious issue in Georgia. Um, talk about why Democrats feel like this legislation is a veiled discrimination, basically legalizing a form of discrimination. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's it's a solution in search of a problem. Religious freedom in Georgia is not at risk. There there are no instances where uh, where this is even an issue uh, in this state, and hardly an issue across the country. And what we're seeing is this systemic systematic effort uh, on the part of some across the country to carve into law uh, exceptions to allow them to discriminate against certain groups of people. In this case, primarily LGBTQ uh, Georgians. And that is something that uh, I find to be to be wrong, something that we need to fight against, and something that Democrats will stand up against each and every time. And in 2016, as you mentioned, Greg, the, the governor at the time uh, and uh, many in the legislature uh, opposed this religious liberty bill because uh, it, it was going to allow discrimination and impact business in this state. Uh, we should be focused on reinforcing our business community and not chipping away at it. Senator, we also just asked um, Senator Gooch about IVF and a bill from Senator Parent to codify IVF and to protect that in state law. And he seemed to say it is a matter of timing <clears throat> that because Senator Parent just introduced this, there's no way it could be considered. And Maya, of course, had a follow up to said, well, really, anything could get considered down the road. What do you think are the actual chances that a Republican legislature would step in to protect IVF services here in Georgia because of what's happened in Alabama? Well, it depends on what the polling tells them, uh, Patricia. <laughs> uh, I, I think that it's, I have a lot of respect for the majority leader and know that he's a, he's a master legislator and he, he knows that protections for I, IVF can pass all the way up until the last day and, and cross over and get passed through, the, through both chambers. Uh, so it, it is never too late in this in this building to to pass legislation like this until signy die. And uh, I hope to see movement on that. I think what we're seeing across the country, though, is that 
Republicans are are trying to avoid legislation on this issue uh, because it runs counter to what we're seeing from national Republicans, which is an effort from national Republicans to actually ban IVF at a feder- at the federal level, where we saw Congress Congress uh, Republican congressmen uh, across the country, including here in Georgia, sign on to bills that would make it uh, harder for IVF. Uh, to even even exist in this state or anywhere else in the country. Um, but they also know that IVF is popular with uh, a lot of their their uh, with a lot of their party. So they're trying to um, toe the line. At the end of the day, what we should be doing is protecting reproductive freedom and expanding it. Uh, so that means protecting IVF, uh, but also taking another look at, at Georgia's abortion laws. I don't anticipate that happening this year. Um- well, we can go back to specific issues, but Maya, jump in here, if you would, with an explanation of of what a biennial session is all about. And what I mean by that is we are in the second year of a biennial session. That means that bills that were considered last year but, but were still up in the air by the end of the session are still available for legislators to deal with this year. But if crossover day isn't the final day when a new bill can really go across the aisle and get considered, what is certainly true is that at the end of this session, all bills will be dead because a new legislature will come into session in 2025, right? Yeah, you know, that's it's a good point. You know, a lot of bills that didn't make it, maybe didn't even get a hearing last year, uh, saw some traction already this year. Then there's some that crossed over and did not make it all the way through. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, you know, these are important issues that I was following and no one's done anything. But I have to remember, like, oh, they don't really have to pay attention to that until after crossover to see if it's actually something that they that they want to take up. And I think my favorite thing about the state legislature is that every two years, all hundred, all 236 members are up for re-election. And I, I just, I, one year, I just want like an entire new slate of people just to see what chaos that would bring. You know, <laughs> chaos, I am an agent of chaos. You know me. Well, well, Greg, I mean, for that matter, you've got it. We had last, we had last year, a new speaker of the house. We have this session, a new Lieutenant governor. So you have leadership shakeups. That's for sure. Yeah, two of the three main sort of legs of the stool in the Georgia Capitol, the speaker and the lieutenant governor, were new last year and then this year in this session. And, and Senator Estevez, I'm curious because, you know, when we were talking with Senator Gooch just now, and he was kind of with a wink and the nod at the end of his conversation with us about this America first license plate. So much of what is done in the Capitol, especially in election year, is election related. There's a lot of bipartisan consensus issues, but there's some that are not. When you kind of take up bills like a license plate for America first, that is sort of seen as a Republican way to rev up their base, but also make, put Democrats in a tough position because you, you might have a vote on, on your ledger later today saying you voted against an America first license plate. How do you approach that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that calling out the politics is, is what I like to do. Uh, and highlighting the fact that we should be spending time on issues that actually matter to Georgians versus on these uh, political issues that only matter to the extreme of, of certain political parties. Uh, the America First license plate is, is an example of that. The resolution a couple weeks ago uh, encouraging and, and demanding that Congress act on border security when a couple days before that, re- Republicans literally 
downed a bipartisan border security bill, calling them out on that on the floor is, is what Democrats will continue to do. And what I like to do in particular is to say the time that we're spending debating this could be actually spent debating things that are important, like protecting our public education system and investing in it. Or the the topic that I'm surprised that uh, we have not addressed in this legislature so far, expanding Medicaid. And and we saw our, our neighbor a couple of states over um, take significant steps towards expanding Medicaid in, in, in Mississippi. And it's one of those things that um, we should be spending the time that we're spending on these election year red meats, only satisfying a, a, a small extreme base. We should be focusing on issues that actually matter to Georgians. Senator Estevez, we've got to get to the final break of the show. And we know you've got a very busy day. So once again, thank you so much for spending time with us on Politically Georgia today. Uh, Patricia, we should mention one uh, aspect of what Senator Estevez just said. Um, Representative Michelle Au on our show the other day, she is a physician, said she's not ready to give up full expansion of Medicaid, yet she still believes that there's some way to get it done, right? <laughs> That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> Senator Estevez, are you as optimistic? She Hope was springing eternal for Dr. <laughs> it sure Al. was. I, I will tell you, as with IVF, there's always a chance. And, and I will leave you this with this one point, which is we added into this budget $392 million for a new legislative building. If Georgia were to expand Medicaid after taking in revenue, it would only cost the state $350 million. All right. Expanding our, 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 our patients would cost less than a new legislative bill. <laughs> Senator Estevez, thanks for making that final point. Have a great day today. This is Politically Georgia from the AJC. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Welcome back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Twice daily, delivered straight to your email, you can receive the AJC's Politically Georgia newsletter. Stay on top of all the important news, scoops, and exclusives from me and the rest of the AJC politics team. Just go to AJC.com newsletters and sign up today. That's AJC.com newsletters. So let's move on uh, with a few minutes we have left to... Uh, an issue that relates, once again, to immigration. Greg Bluestein, one of the, I don't know how many stories you filed yesterday, but one of them was a story on the fact that both Donald Trump and President Biden are making separate trips to the border today. It is the hottest issue in politics, both in the state and nationally. And, and sadly, the Lake and Riley killing has animated the national conversation about immigration. Yeah, and you know, you you always hate to 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 take a or and talk about it's such a tragedy as a political issue, but the fact is, it is also becoming a political issue. And I mean, look, immigration already already was, but it has 
even further jolted the issue of immigration and unauthorized immigrants and the entire debate that was already roiling uh, both parties into an even bigger uh, showdown. Um, and right now, today, in Texas, you'll have we'll have our first real glimpse of the general election to come because both President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump are both in Texas uh, at different parts of the border, but both highlighting efforts that they're taking, or, the, or in Trump's case, that he would take to uh, crack down on unauthorized, uncontrolled migration across the border. Patricia? I think it's also important to know how how front and center this issue is for our voters right now. We have seen polling recently where immigration in some cases has overtaken the economy as voters' top issue. Otherwise, it's just the second issue right behind the economy and inflation. And that's a real sea change. And so the reason that Joe Biden is going to the border is because he really needs to. He is being heavily damaged by the optics of the situation, no matter the fact that, yes, Republicans did block his efforts to pass a bill. Um, it still ends up on his desk at the end of the day. Uh, images coming out of the southern border just paint a very stark picture about what is or is not happening. And once that comes into communities like Athens, you have an issue that... Um, Republicans are absolutely running toward and President Biden really needs to get his arms around. That's why we expect that he um, will issue ex an executive order uh, about actions at the border uh, after he wasn't able to get anything through Congress. So uh, it, it, yes, yesterday there seemed to be intelligence coming out of the Biden campaign that he would use this visit to the border. He's going to Brownsville to issue an executive order or two. But today it feels as if He's going to spend more of his time um, pointing out that Republicans failed to pass the immigration bill that would have expanded border security. So, Patricia, if he doesn't go down there and do something that is proactive, but instead spends his time talking about Republican failures, is, is that, what do you think about that approach to a trip to the border? Well, I think it's probably going to be a one-two punch. I don't think that he would not follow up with action after criticizing Republicans. But we even heard Senator Estevez say, look, the Republicans are trying to say that Democrats have done nothing and that it's all their fault when, in fact, Republicans had a chance to um, get on board with a bipartisan bill and specifically said they didn't want to. And a large part of that was because Donald Trump told them not yeah. to. And so they are going to push Republicans to be accountable for that decision. But again, at the end of the day, the ultimate responsibility rests with the administration. And Bill, look, I mean, Democrats do feel like they can reclaim this narrative mm -hmm. on immigration that has, that has hurt them in the past, uh, that, is, that they've suffered damage, uh, political damage on the past because it was at Donald Trump's urging that this Senate bipartisan U.S. Senate bill that some Republican conservative senators thought was the best chance at a strong border control policy they've had in more than a decade. And it was scuttled at Trump's urging, basically. And it was naked, right? I mean, he said... He said outright himself, we don't want to give Joe Biden a victory on this issue. Um, Greg, um, Senator Gooch um, it has, it commands a lot of respect at the Capitol. And he, he had a lot of smart things to say in our conversation today. But, but I did think that we could talk very briefly about the way he addressed this issue of local communities, cities, sheriffs, of cooperating with ICE to uh, uh, turn over undocumented immigrants to ICE. 
He suggested at one point that it's the failure of cities to do that. He also suggested that maybe ICE does not have the resources uh, to put federal agents in place to do it. I, I was a little uncertain about where he sees the real problem. Yeah, I mean, the takeaway quote I had from him was, was that it was the failures of the federal government to do their job. That means locals have to step up. If you ask a lot of local police chiefs, the sheriff's departments, they're already stretched thin. They're trying their best to fight, uh, you know, crimes, domestic violence, um, you know, violent crimes, sexual abuse, all the other issues they've got to deal with. Many of their chiefs do not want the extra burden of trying to be an immigration cop as well. But Patricia, do we have much doubt that this measure will pass? I don't think there's a lot of doubt that this is going to pass. The Republicans have the vote. Some Democrats may even feel under pressure to support it as well. Um, But I think it'll be important to continue to be in touch with law enforcement officials about just what kind of a an extra uh, layer this puts on them. We know they're dealing with mental health crises in their jails as well. They have a lot of they have a lot on their plate already and not a lot of funding for extra personnel or for extra space. Well, Patricia and Greg, it's wonderful that you're both down at the Capitol watching all this activity. There's a whole team of AJC reporters down there uh, with you because there are so many things to watch unfold on this crossover day, 2024. And of course, on the show tomorrow, we'll talk about some of the measures that did and didn't get through. Um, Always mindful of the fact that no bill is dead until the people who are really in charge say it is. That's all the time we have for today's podcast. You can now hear Politically Georgia live weekday mornings at 10 on 90.1 WABE in Atlanta. Or, as you already do, you can follow Politically Georgia on your favorite podcast app and hear new episodes every afternoon. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review and share Politically Georgia with a friend. Join us again tomorrow for Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.